0: Today on Blue 58, it is time to talk wide receivers. People have been begging the Packers to take one for years. Will this finally be the year they invest a high pick at receiver? And if they choose to do so, what kind of receiver do they stand to get? Fortunately, there are plenty of good options this year, so let's talk about them. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. very happy to be with you here for another episode We are talking receivers. First, I want to clean up something from the last episode. I asked people to request uh, players that they would like to talk about a little bit more. And we got one request for an edge rusher that uh, someone from the audience would like to have discuss. Peyton Turner, an edge out of Houston. I would happily oblige, but I figure we should wait after his pro day. Wait until after his pro day, which is tomorrow or today when you happen to be listening to this. Uh, it's on April 9th. Houston has their pro day very late. So in order to avoid, uh, potentially dumping him into the wrong tier of edge rushers, we are going to wait, but he looks like a pretty good prospect. We can say that right now. Speaking of good prospects, there are plenty of good prospects at wide receiver in this year's NFL draft. I've heard people say that it may be better than last year's draft class, which was described as historically good. I don't know if I would go that far. In researching this class, I think that it's about as good um, as last year's class, top to bottom. There seems to be less at the top, but more through the middle than last year. Last year's class, in retrospect, seems very top-heavy. There aren't a lot of contributors through the middle rounds. This year, it seems like there is good value to be had in round two and beyond, which I think suits the Packers pretty well. Uh, It's going to depend, again, largely on how the board breaks, but there is good value to be had there, especially if you are looking for a smaller wide receiver. But what is a good wide receiver anyway? We've talked about uh, structuring these draft preview series podcasts around that idea, trying to answer that question, what's good at every position. And I've got a five-fold test for a good wide receiver prospect. We've kind of developed this over the past few years, and I think this is a good model for picking out good receiver prospects, much like we did with edge rushers. Edge rushers, we looked at two things, athleticism and production. With receiver, it's very much the same. Athleticism and production are what we're going to be looking at, but we're also looking for a specific kind of athleticism and a few specific kinds of production. It breaks down into five points on our grading rubric here for prog, uh, for prospects. We are going to be looking at relative athletic score, height-adjusted speed score, catch percentage, yards per target, and team target percentage. Let's dive into each of those quickly, and I can explain why I value each of those. First and foremost, relative athletic score. General athleticism here. This is not a big surprise. We use this at almost on almost every prospect. It's a score from 1 to 10, 0 to 10, of how athletic you are relative to other people at your position. When it comes to wide receivers and really with every position, we're looking for players with a relative athletic score above eight because that is the, the threshold for elite level athletes. And that's really what history shows Brian Gutekunst likes to target. Next, we are going to look at height adjusted speed score. Speed score was developed. I don't know who developed it, but it came out a while ago, but it basically it's a it's a more in-depth version of of a 40-yard dash time. You are looking for not just speed, but how quickly you can move mass on the football field. It's one thing to be a willowy track star who can run a 4.3-second 40. It's another to be some rocked-up 235, 240-pound tight end receiver hybrid who can do it in 4, 3 second, 4.3 seconds. Speed score helps us differentiate that a little bit if you're big and fast it will give you a higher score there's really no limit on how high your speed score can be but scores above 100 are considered pretty good so we are going to be looking for speed scores above 100 but this is not just a speed score this is a height adjusted speed score this helps us identify receivers that move their mass quickly and also happen to be very fairly tall The Packers like their bigger wide receivers, so this helps us identify receivers that are tall, big, like physically large, uh, well-built, and fast. It helps us sort those receivers a little bit, too. Here's a case study that shows you how it it works. Look at three wide receivers, two drafted by the Packers and one undrafted free agent. Trevor Davis, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Alan Lazard. They are all varying degrees of big, tall, and fast. Trevor Davis was 6'1", one, 188 pounds. For a normal person, that's pretty darn big. Ran the 40-yard dash in 4.42 seconds. Had a relative athletic score of 9.14, but his height-adjusted speed go- score was just 98.6. Why? Although he's moving 188 pounds, that's not that big for a football player. So he doesn't get that much of a boost to his speed score. What about Alan Lazard? He's six foot four. 227 pounds. He ran the 40-yard dash in 455. His relative athletic score is 858. Again, an elite-level athlete, but when you look at his speed score, he's all the way up at 105.9. Though he's a little bit slower than Davis, he's moving more mass, and thus his speed score is higher. Finally, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. 206 ran a 40 in 438. Just cooking. That's fast no matter how big you are. Relative athletic score of 927 for MVS. His height-adjusted speed score, since he is still pretty tall, is 112.9. So what does this tell us looking at them all together? Well, first it says nobody can match MVS's flat-out speed. But in terms of functional speed, Alan Lazard is actually a better comp for MVS than Trevor Davis. Though Davis and MVS are both more of the lean track star build, Lazard is a lot more like Davis than, than... like Marquez Valdez-Scantling than he is like Davis because he's built a little bit thicker and so is MVS. That's very desirable. You want to be able to move mass quickly and there's more things you can do as a big receiver than just as a fast receiver. So we are looking for people with a height-adjusted speed score of 100 plus. Catch percentage. How often you catch what comes your way. MVS and Alan Lazard are good comps here. Everybody knows the adventure that is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He gets open a lot. He doesn't always catch what is thrown his way. Alan Lazard um, is of comparable or greater value because he just has more consistent hands. So we're looking for people with consistent hands. We're looking for a catch percentage above 64%. Did you catch at least 64% of your targets I wanted to go with 65% originally, but that made the list too thin. So we, we bumped it out to 64, and we're looking for people who hit multiple categories anyway. So get a few more prospects in the system. We'll weed them out elsewhere. Yards per target captures productivity in different ways. That's why I like this number. It's either going to tell us how deep you are when you're getting the ball or how much you are producing after you get the ball. We want to weed out guys that are just catching a ton of short passes and not going anywhere. So we're looking for guys producing yards in big chunks, uh, however they're getting them. Either they're catching the ball deep downfield, or they're catching the ball short and getting a lot of yards after the catch. The threshold I'm looking at here is yards per target above 10. That gives us a decently good-sized pool here. Finally, team target percentage. I want guys, when I'm looking for receivers, I want guys who are productive while being a major focus of their college offense. Anybody can succeed in small doses in college. We want guys who were successful even when they were getting the ball again and again and again and again. So we're looking for guys that put up numbers that saw them getting more than 25% of their team's targets, one in four of their targets in a given year. That's a fairly high bar, but we're looking for high achievers here. And that helps level the playing field a little bit too. It it helps bring some more guys who maybe dominated smaller college ball uh, to the four. Couple caveats here. Opt-outs impacted this season, this position in a big way. We had to go off 2019 stats for at least four guys, and uh, that's fine since we're going off 2020 for everybody else. We're really just looking for their last year of college football but we just want to recognize that their numbers may have been slightly different in different circumstances. Also want to point out that we don't have testing numbers for some guys. Devontae Smith out of Alabama is the guy who really gets dinged here. He gets bumped down an entire tier just because it, just because he didn't test at the combine. That's fine. Everybody knows he's going to be good. Everybody knows he's not going to be available when the Packers are picking anyway, but in terms of the conversation we're having around him, I don't want anybody to get up in arms because we have Devontae Smith ranked as a Tier 3 receiver, Tier 2 receiver, whatever, uh, just because he doesn't have testing numbers. That's why. We we know there there are some weaknesses. This is an imperfect system. So, who hit the thresholds? We've got three tiers of guys here. First, Tier 1, guys who hit all five criteria. Tier 2, guys who hit four of the five. And then Tier 3, guys who hit... Three of the five. As we said last time, we'll take anybody in any of those top three tiers. If you're beyond that, though, we're not going to worry about you. Tier one, guys who hit all five thresholds. That list contains zero names. There are no perfect prospects in this draft. That's fairly expected. That's more or less what we saw last year. You're sorting through relatively imperfect prospects in this process, and that's that's understandable. But tier two, it gets pretty interesting. Guys who hit on four of the five thresholds here. Again, in no particular order. This is just the order we're talking about them. No, not order of preference. We'll, we'll talk about them as, as they come up. Or I should also point out this is not ranked in, in order of where I think they could go or be available. These are just guys uh, that fell, fell into these buckets. So first and foremost, all those caveats out of the way. Jamar Chase out of LSU. Six feet tall, 200 pounds, relative athletic score of 981. His last season of college football was 2019, but what a season it was. 84 catches, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns on 126 targets. What do you like about Jamar Chase? Well, it's hard to dislike his production. LSU plays a wide-open spread offense. Uh, when he was playing, he had Joe Burrow throwing him the ball. Even with all of those Notes about his performance; those are still monster numbers. When you, even when you acknowledge the fact that he was playing with fellow first-round pick Justin Jefferson, Dane Brugler's draft guide points out that 85.1 percent of Chase's college catches resulted in either a first down or a touchdown. That's not too shabby. A couple questions more than things that we don't like about him. First, how will a year away affect him? I think that's a small question, but it's hard to not bring it up. The bigger question with Chase is uh, how his size may or may not hold him back in the NFL. It's not that big, only six feet tall. So where do you put him? In the slot? Outside? What? Uh, Where does he end up playing? Size is not everything. And with a guy who is as athletic as he is, with the leaping ability he has, it's it's even less an issue, but it is something you do have to take note of. Devontae Adams makes it work. He's not the tallest receiver in the world. He can get up vertically just fine, but it is a question mark. Uh, what are the experts saying about Chase? Lance Erline says he should be an early starter and a future pro bowler. The Ringer says he is a little unrefined early in his routes, using brute strength more than technique to get off the line, but brings natural talent and an alpha mentality that should make him a quarterback's best friend early in his career. Fairly high praise. Next up, my personal favorite in this entire draft class, Kadarius Tony, out of Florida. There are some weird and wild things going on with Kit Tony, which we'll get to here in a second. But he's a very, very interesting and fun prospect. 5'11", 193 pounds, relative athletic score of 9. Should point out that his height-adjusted speed score was 99.57. That would have knocked him down a tier, but I I rounded him up just because he's close enough. And on a better day, he might have been 6 feet tall anyway. Last season, 70 catches, 984 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Not too shabby there, especially playing in an offense with Kyle Pitts where he is not necessarily the top target. What do you like about Kadarius Toney? Personally, I like that he can line up all over the field. He started games at college, in college at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Productive as a runner as well as a receiver. Finished his career with 19 carries for 161 yards. That's a solid average of 8.5 yards per carry. Also can return kicks. It's really easy to imagine a guy like Kadarius Toney as an upgraded version of Tyler Irvin. And boy, can he run too. What's not to like though? There are some issues here. Some durability problems, first and foremost. Ankle and chin injuries early in his time at Florida. Shoulder injuries late. Uh, There are also some off the field concerns here. I want to be careful about this, but I think Dane Brugler puts it pretty well in his scouting report. He doesn't Condemn anything that he does, although it is fairly condemnable, I think you could fairly say. He he says this is a question of decision making, so quoting from Dane Brugler's draft guide quote Off field decision making requires vetting due to multiple off field incidents. He was suspended for the twenty eighteen season opener after his involvement in an on campus confrontation between players and Gainesville locals where he painted an airsoft gun to look like an AR fifteen. He was pulled over by Gainesville police in May of 2018, excuse me, July of 2018, and was discovered to be in possession of an authentic and loaded AR-15 rifle in his back seat that Tony said was, quote, for protection because of the locals, end quote. There were no charges filed in that incident, ending that entire quote. So, yes, I think some questions of decision making off the field, and surely he will say that he has matured a lot since then, and no doubt he has. I would certainly hope so, because those are some questionable decisions. What do the experts say about him? A lot of people think he's just a gadget player. The people who do this sort of thing for a living push back on that a little bit. First, The Ringer says, he is more than a gadget player, shown toughness over the middle, good concentration when catching the ball in traffic. This is a longer quote, but I wanted to read what Pro Football Focus says about him, because it's so rare to hear someone talk about a player. In this sort of way. Here is their final conclusion on Kadarius Tw- Tony Quote, It's players like Tony who make football the greatest game in the world. The way he stops and starts in the blink of an eye is truly amazing to watch. He has the kind of flexibility and explosiveness in his lower half that allows him to break tackles in ways I've truly never seen before. It's why he broke 32 tackles on only 80 catches the past two seasons. More of a gadget player. Early in his career, Tony finally looked like a true receiver in 2020. He's not a polished route runner by any means, but he showed all the ability needed to consistently separate in the NFL, End quote. That is pretty high praise, and it's rare to see even a draft guide, a draft guide, even draft guide like Pro Football Focuses, which tends to be a little bit more cheerleaderish than than others, uh, speak that way about a player. Uh, he might be something special. He certainly is my favorite guy to watch in this class. Elijah Moore, next up out of Mississippi. 5'9", 178 pounds of rocket power. 8.68 his relative athletic score last season. 86 catches, 1,193 yards and 8 touchdowns. He is the only one in our group of players that hit on four of five uh, items in our rubric that definitively missed on Height-adjusted speed score, but he makes up for it in production in a big way. I mean, he's only five nine. You got to be pretty stinking fast to to crack a hundred on height-adjusted speed score. Being being that tall, people ding him for being schemed open. Sure, I get that, but he also must have been doing something right to get schemed open for more than thirty percent of his team's targets. Look it up. He was targeted with more than thirty percent of the balls that were in the air last year for Mississippi. That is wild. And even getting that many targets, he averaged 11.7 yards per target too. Pretty crazy. What not to like about Elijah Moore then? He is capital S small. So Kadarius Toney, maybe a little bit on the, the smaller size, maybe a little bit of a gadget player. He's two inches and 15 pounds heavier, two inches taller, 15 pounds heavier than Elijah Moore. He is in Tavon Austin territory of small. Austin was 5'9", 185 or so. 5'8", 185 or so. Elijah Moore is in that neighborhood. Even if he has the skills to do more than slot and gadget type work, at 5'9", 178 pounds, you're pretty much limited to slot and gadget work. Pro Football Focus says he's got an ideal combination of speed and quicks in the slot, a threat to get deep at any time, I like that kind of skill set. The size scares me a little bit. Rounding out tier two here is Terrace Marshall out of LSUR a final in the group of players who hit four of the five thresholds in our rubric six foot three two hundred pounds out of Louisiana State, like jamar chase eight two four relative athletic score had forty eight catches seven hundred thirty one yards and ten touchdowns in his final season of college football. I like his consistent hands. 67% of his targets ended up as catches last year. That's pretty pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. As far as what not to like, I would describe him as raw as an athlete. His scouting reports all read like he is still growing into his body. Here's what Dane Brugler said about him. He runs into concentration drops, not the most graceful-footed athlete along the sideline a below average blocker for his size and must improve his urgency and angles to be trusted at the next level. Look, some guys are just later bloomers. You can still be an elite athlete and still be growing into your body. That seems to be a little bit of what you're looking at here with Terrace Marshall. Of these guys in the top four, I think uh, he and Moore are probably a step below the other two. Uh, Marshall in particular is probably looking more like a number three or four receiver at this point of his career than a number two. But maybe if you're the Packers, that's actually actually appealing uh, because he can grow into a little bit of a role instead of needing to be a contributor right away. Like his size and measurables though, that's, uh, that's a lot of good stuff going on there. Before we get to our final tier of receivers, I want to take a second and shout out uh, everybody who is a contributor on Patreon, we've picked up a couple new supporters there recently and would encourage you to be a supporter there as well. I'm not going to shout out anybody in particular today, but did want to tell you a little bit about the benefits. Uh, one in particular is our private Discord server. We've had some great discussions there over the past couple of days about all kinds of different things. One of the most fun things actually just happened late this afternoon. We had people chiming in from where in the world uh, they are chatting. So just based on that chat, we had listeners from Australia, uh, Great Britain, Great Britain, um, Sweden, Denmark, and uh, a couple other different countries. So people all over the world. And if you like the opportunity to connect with Packers fans from who knows where, uh, check us out at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Pick your support level there and uh, get in on the fun. It's a great deal of fun, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. Hopefully you would have fun doing it there, too. On top of that, you get to support the work that we're doing here at the Power Sweep and Blue 58, and uh, I think that's pretty neat as well. Let's talk about more wide receivers. These are guys that hit on three of the four metrics in our grading rubric, starting with Nico Collins out of Michigan, 6'4", 215, big guy, Uh, 9.56 relative athletic score. He opted out of the 2020 season, and in 2019, he put up 37 catches, 729 yards, and 7 touchdowns. Gotta love that height-weight-speed combo. 4-5 four, five, four, five at 215 is cooking. That's fast uh, no matter where you are. What's not to like, though? Traits matching production. Uh, so he's got physical tools for days, uh, but he only caught 58% of his targets in 2019, only received just under 17% of Michigan's targets in 2019, he should be more dominant with those traits, though Michigan certainly had some quarterback issues in 2019. You would still think he should be a little bit better than that. What are the experts saying? Dane Brugler says, overall, Collins isn't a sudden or energetic player who will consistently separate underneath, but he is an impressive height, weight, speed prospect with uh, smooth routes and dependability to push for an NFL starting role. He is a Nakiel Harry-style player. To me, that sounds exactly like a Packers-type guy. Harry now is a tight end, it should be noted, and the Packers have some, uh, I guess, previous interest in guys who have a tight end-like skill sets at receiver. Look at Alan Lazard. Look at Devin Funches. Funches was a tight end in college. Uh, the Packers approached Alan Lazard before the, his draft class year about potentially switching to tight end in the NFL. And he does a lot of, of tight end style things here in the NFL. Um, looking for guys with tight end-ish skill sets is not a bad route to go if you're trying to find guys who could be in the Packers' crosshairs. Speaking of tight end size guys, let's talk about Simi Fahoko out of Stanford. 6'3", 222 pounds, relative athletic score of 918. A similar Scores or similar stats to Collins. Uh, 37 catches, 574 yards, and three touchdowns. You like big guys that can run. How about a guy who's heavier than Collins but a little bit faster, too? He had the best height-adjusted speed score among wide receivers we scored in this class, 117.7. That's pretty darn good. Production is a bit of a red flag here, too. He was a little bit better than Collins in some areas, but also a little bit worse. Only caught about 63% of his targets last year. Only averaged 9.7 yards per target. That's like a tight end that can't catch consistently. Also have some concerns about his age. He is 24 already. Uh, Took a couple years off of football for some religious commitments going on a Latter-day Saints mission to South Korea. Uh, But just keep that in the back of your mind about whether or not he is going to be drafted by the Packers. 24 is pretty far along in his development curve already. Pro Football Focus describes him as a pretty raw player. I I would agree with that, looking at his numbers and looking at his his skill set. They say you wouldn't want him playing in the NFL tomorrow. There there are also legitimate reasons why he's so raw. He will alternate between contested one-handed catches and balls clanging off his chest unfettered. That sounds familiar uh, about Green Bay Packers wide receivers, but maybe he can grow. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota is next up on my list here. And this is one I've seen a lot of excitement about in the circles of, or the corners of the Packers internet that I hang out in. Six foot tall, 190 pounds, relative athletic score, just a shade over eight. So just barely in elite territory. But he's fairly productive. 36 catches, 472 yards, two touchdowns last season. He was the absolute focal point of the Golden Gophers offense and you gotta like that. He is the second guy on our list who who got thirty percent or more of his college team's targets. Bit of an inconsistent catch rate, just barely made the 64% cutoff. In fact he was one of the players that got me to expand uh, that threshold a little bit, but really he seems like a polished guy. Every expert I'm not even gonna bother reading you all the stuff that the experts are saying about him. They they talk about him just being polished, being NFL ready And other than the really overwhelming athlete guys, I'm talking about like Devontae Smith, maybe even Jamar Chase, he seems like maybe the most pro-ready receiver in this class. It seems like you really have to dig to come up with stuff that you don't like about Rashad Bateman. Okay, he only catches 64% of his targets in college, while Minnesota is not really known as a high-end quarterback factory either. Uh, he's schemed open a little bit more. Okay, well, Minnesota didn't have a ton of other receivers to really throw the ball to. He's not super athletic. All right, but he's still an elite level athlete, and you don't have to be necessarily a height weight speed monster like a Julio Jones uh, to succeed in the NFL. He could get it done, and he seems like a p- pretty polished player. Other than Kadarius Tony, Tony is my favorite for reasons beyond, like, can he be an actual good NFL player? I don't know. He's just a, a heck of a lot of fun to watch. If I'm picking a guy who might be a realistic selection for the Packers, uh, who fits what they seem to like from from their non-enormous receivers, I realize that's a couple caveats, but Bateman is probably that guy. Seems fairly realistic that he might be available, and it seems like he is going to be a pretty ready-made prospect uh, as soon as he hits the field in the NFL. We've just got to talk about this next guy. Um, just because he's in the class and I realize there's no chance that the Packers are going to take Devonte Smith, but we got to talk about him. He hits the metrics. Uh, he didn't test. So we don't have relative athletic score or speed score or anything on him, but just look at his insane production. Uh, hilariously spindly dude. I enjoy looking at highlights of him and pictures of him just because he's so wiry But you start looking at the box score, and you forget all about what he looks like. 117 catches in 2019, 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns. He hits the triple crown of production metrics in our rubric. 79% catch percentage. Wild. 12.5 yards per target. Also crazy. 35.2% of Alabama's targets went to him in 2019. Playing with a stacked team like Alabama has, he outshined absolutely everybody. Just wild, wildly productive, and he's going to be good in the NFL. Okay, we've talked about Devontae Smith. He's not going to be there for the Packers. We can move on. Next up, kind of the polar opposite. Dax Milne out of BYU. Six feet tall, 193 pounds, relative athletic score, a cringeworthy 4.59, but still productive last year. 70 catches, uh, almost 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Not overwhelming numbers, but did well enough. Um, twenty-five point six percent of his team's targets last year um didn't like light it up going deep downfield. You you have some questions about his athleticism. So if you're you're gonna look at things you don't like about him, a four-five eight, four five nine relative athletic score has him off the board for me. Also, really only one year of production. That said, there are guys who are low end athletes who just know how to get open, that go on to have very, very long NFL careers. I just don't know if I want to roll the dice on a guy like that when you need you need more high-end talent at receiver in Green Bay. Antonio Nunn at of Buffalo probably isn't that high-end talent either, but at five eleven two o four, 204, a relative athletic score of 6.66 is not the worst thing in the world either. 37 catches, 584 yards, two touchdowns his final season in Buffalo. He got the ball a lot, and I kind of like that about him. 36.4 of his team's targets went to him last year. Other than that, though, he kind of just escapes by by just making the cut on a couple of numbers. 66% catch rate, good, not great. 10.7 yards per target, that's a little bit concerning. Seems more like a value pick than upside, so if you're looking at him probably on day three, it may not be that bad. I just wouldn't take him much before that. Um Scouts seem like they're like hesitant to say anything bad about him. Pro Football Focus puts it this way. Nunn is a very solid all-around receiver, but at the same time, he doesn't have much on tape that excites. Uh, Dane Brugler, much the same. Overall, Nunn is a well-rounded receiver, but his skill set is very average, and he lacks a distinguishing trait when lined up next to other NFL receivers. This is like a Toyota Camry-style pick. You go to the car dealership, you're looking at the sports cars, at least I am. Um, the Corvette catches your eye, but if you're going to get groceries, the Toyota Camry will do you just fine. Good gas mileage, dependable. Maybe Antonio Nunn is a Toyota Camry. Rounding out our list of wide receivers this year is Western Michigan's Dwayne Eskridge. So a little bit more of a smaller receiver, 5'8", 190, but a better athlete than none, a relative athletic score of 7.57. Last year, 34 catches, 784 yards, 8 touchdowns. You like his volume and production. He got 34.2% of his targets, or or, excuse me, 34.2% of Western Michigan's passes went to uh, Mr. Eskridge, and he averaged 15.1 yards per target in that stretch. You don't like that he's got good but just not great athleticism, Last episode, we talked about not rewarding guys who blew up their pro days, but being a little bit more concerned about guys who couldn't. As fast as Eskridge looks on tape, you would have thought he put up would put up better numbers than he did at their pro day. Maybe he's just not a good tester. Maybe he didn't get coaching on how to do some of those drills. I mean, that's a big part of this pro day combine process. Guys get coached up on on how to put up those big numbers because putting up big numbers can get you a lot of money uh depending on how it affects your draft stock and all of that. Um maybe he's just not a good tester. Uh he's also 24 or going to be 24 by the time he's drafted. Uh put that in the back of your mind as well. Uh people love that he was productive. Um, but also are concerned about what else Western Michigan had at receiver and how much his game is going to translate to the NFL. Pro Football Focus puts it this way. He averaged 18.5 yards per catch and 9.48 yards after the catch per reception in his five years at Western Michigan. His tape was borderline unfair this past season as he didn't face a single corner who could hold up in man coverage. That's what makes his evaluation so tough, though, he is undersized at 5'9, 190, and his game is no sure thing to translate to the NFL. Well, nobody's a sure thing. Even the high end guys. Plenty of high end receivers have turned out to be not that great in the NFL. Just running fast and being big is not all that goes into it. But I feel pretty good about the tiers we've got. So, to recap our tiers, nobody in the absolute pinnacle of Tier 1. Nobody hit all five thresholds this year, though we do have the caveats of a a couple guys not testing, and a couple guys have numbers that, uh, well, maybe were a little bit more incomplete this year. But in Tier 2, hitting four of our five thresholds, we've got Jamar Chase, we've got Kadarius Toney, we've got Elijah Moore, and we've got Terrace Marshall. In Tier 3, hitting three of our five numbers, Nico Collins out of Michigan, Simi Fahoko of Stanford, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, Devontae Smith out of Alabama, Dax Milne from BYU, Antonio Nunn out of Buffalo, and Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. Again, I would be fairly comfortable with any guy in any one of these tiers. The higher-up tiers, obviously, a little bit more desirable, Uh, fewer question marks, fewer red flags, Uh, but really, I think I'd be fairly comfortable with everybody on this list. Uh, relative to where they are drafted. But I want to know what you think. Uh, what receivers do you want to talk about? Who do you like? Who do you not like? Let me know. Uh, this is a two-way conversation. I want to hear what your thoughts are and uh, what other players you might be interested to to hear a little bit more about because that's one of the biggest ways we are going to help everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.